0: Listening to the Pay Show on InDepth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey,
1: good evening! Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, I'm covering for Vinny; he is away for a couple of weeks, so I'll be with you for two hours. I'll be here from eight until 10 p.m. tonight. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and I hope that uh, you'll stick around with me for a little bit. The show is live, so you can always call or text in the number 416 872 1010 or start 8255 on your cell phone. Of course, you can always text in as well at 71010 and interact with myself and the guests on the show. I've got a great show lined up for you today. Lots of good stuff. Um, just wanted to let you know what's coming up, though, because we do have two hours. Do you know what toxic chemicals are in your mattress? Now, think about this: you spend a lot of time rubbing your body and your face all over your mattress with, you know, a thin piece of cotton separating you. So you might be surprised to hear about some of the not-so-great things that are on your mattress. Um, the chemicals, specifically, that you want to know about. And if you are shopping for a mattress anytime in the near future, then you will want to hear. Um, Adria Vassal, coming up. Uh, She's the ecoholic columnist with uh, Now Magazine. And she looked into some of the, you know, the greener, eco-friendly claims of some mattress companies. And uh, she kind of rated a couple of mattresses that are available out there with different, you know, of different price points. Because a mattress is... It's definitely a big investment. You know, you do want to buy something of of somewhat decent quality because ideally you'll keep it for a couple of years. So if you're going to make that investment, try to make one that is um, better for you to to breathe in and to be rubbing again. Same with your kids. So uh, Adria will be coming up at about 9 p.m. Also, I'm not sure if you've heard of secret menus. It's kind of become a thing in the past few years. Even if you go online and you just typed in secret menu on Google – you will get a bunch of different websites. So uh, what made secret menus kind of popular were fast food chains because they are nationwide or international and that made it a bit easier for people to access. So most fast food chains that exist, you know, your Golden Arches, your Burger King, your Dairy Queen, your KFC, your Taco Bell, whatever. I'm plugging all of them now, I guess. Um, They have menu items that are available for you to order, but they're not advertised. So it's kind of like being in a secret club where you know that there's some sort of mashup item or something available, but no one else knows. And in some cases, the staff know exactly what you're ordering. In other cases, you might have to educate them a little bit because, you know, maybe that 16-year-old has only been working there for two days and has no idea what you're trying to order. But um, the team at Huffington Post Canada actually put together a list of secret menu items in Toronto and around the GTA. So I'm going to talk to the associate ed- editor of uh, HuffPo Canada about what they discovered and give you some insight about the secret Dishes that you can order at some of Toronto's best restaurants that will never be advertised. So it's kind of like it's like you have to whisper and you have to know the secret code. And some of them are pretty amazing. So um, Artie's going to tell us about that. So I just want to give you an example. McDonald's, for example, ha- is widely known to have several secret menu items. Um, for example, they have the Land Sea and Air Burger, Land Sea and Air. So think about that for a second. It's- pretty much self-explanatory. It's basically a burger that combines a beef patty, their chicken patty thing, and the filet of fish So it's all three in one burger. There's also something called the Monster Mac. It's the Big Mac with eight beef patties in it. So... I'm watching the face of my first guest in studio, who I can tell is completely completely shocked and disgusted by the secret menu items that I've just listed off. Especially
2: Uh, those ones. Especially those ones. I know the eight
1: patties. Leanne Phillips and Webb is here with me, registered nutritionist and founder of sproutright.com. I was thinking as I was saying it that, um, you know, the the transition to you, which is more about healthy eating, eating right, getting your fruits and vegetables. And here I am talking about secret menu items. Starbucks, for example, I'll just say this, uh, has a huge, secret menu, but because it involves adding a lot of their uh, flavors and and all of that, you basically have to instruct the barista who's making it. So just to give you an example, you can get a cookie dough frappuccino. It's not advertised. So what you do is you order a cinnamon dolce cream frappuccino, then you ask them to add mocha syrup, then ask for java chips to be blended in with it and topped with cookie crumble. So if you know what it is, you just say, look, I need one pump of this, a sprinkle of that, blend it and they'll do it. So again, just for fun, you can go online, you can, you can Google secret menus for your favorite restaurants and chains. And you'll be shocked. Honestly, I'm by shocked. some of the things, I'm shocked. Like when I saw the Monster <laughs> Mac and it had the the eight patties eight in there. Eight patties. Yeah.
2: Or even even the the land, sea, and air. That's a lot, how right? Are gonna, how are you even gonna get your mouth around well, that? I think it's it's a treat.
1: <laughs> so Leanne is here because we're gonna talk. I, I love this. I love this topic because I feel like it's something that. Um, I feel like it's a mistake that people make often. We're going to talk about the popular, like the breakfast bars, cereal yes. bars, protein bars, yes. granola bars, basically, because yeah. everything now is packaged to be on the go because we're busy. That's right. We you have need... to have one looming in your purse somewhere. Yeah, you're we need get something. Yeah, we need something that's packaged and in case of emergency, keep yes. it in the car or send it off with the kids. But what I've noticed, uh, especially online, is people going, "Oh, you know, I love this bar. It's so great." And so they're what they're doing is they're Taking this whatever cereal bar, let's say, yeah. uh, and using it as a breakfast yes. uh, replacement, mm-hmm. and so they feel like they're getting their nutrients or whatever out of it, uh, because it seems healthy to advertise something as a breakfast bar or sure. a cereal bar. Or I know some, you know, cereal manufacturers have basically just squished their cereals together with some sugar, yes. and then said, "Like here you go, here's you know breakfast right. to go." Yeah. Um, but it's really a huge mistake that a lot of people are making because they're not all made the same. And in fact, most of them are crap. they They are. And I love <laughs> that medical and technical term that
2: they're crap because it just <laughs> really sums it up. It's absolutely perfect. And one of the one of those breakfast bars, it it it, it it's not it's like a chocolate bar. It really is well, this so is it's the thing much I... much more so p- perhaps not quite as crazy high as in sugar as a chocolate bar would be. Um, but the Special K one, I, che- I checked that out because I was going through trying to find a good bar. Like, yeah. what could you do? So there's 2.5 grams of fat. 1.5 of those is saturated, which sometimes there's saturated fat in there. But every label now has trans fats in it. But when mm-hmm. I double checked on the ingredient label, so you have to read both labels, there's hydrogenated palm oil in there. No, hydrogen- no hydrogenated oil in anything anymore, please. Like, okay, so we got shouldn't to have that. Stop Okay, got to not do that, and then to the seven grams of sugar, there's only one gram of protein so which is very low, isn't it? One gram one gram of protein is i don't it's bit it's a bit token really. what should it's we not, it's it's really not great. What should we aim for? so what you are aiming for is four grams of fiber
1: and min- so le- minimum
2: okay min- minimum at least five grams of protein. Mm-hmm. On average, six, maybe eight at the outside, which is about two teaspoons of sugar and the saturated fat, no more than two to three grams, which on a lot of them is actually not that difficult to do. So that two to, gra- two to three grams is not bad. If you actually see coconut oil on the label, I kind of disregard that as one of the fats because your liver uses it instantly. So you can eat coconut oil all the time and it's not going to store as fat as like butter. Mm-hmm. olive oil, all of those kind of things. It's a completely different fat. So your body uses it as energy. So that's a really, really good thing to do. So you, like I said, you have to look at the ingredients as well as looking at that nutrition label with all the boxes and the percentages and all
1: those kind of things. Well, I think a lot of people look at the nutrition label because it's usually um, the, the biggest font. <laughs> so
0: Absolutely. when you pick something, when right. I
1: pick you... something up in a hurry, whether it's in an individual bar or a box, the nutrition label I look at and... I used to look at um, the grams of fat Sure. when everyone was obsessed about fat. Yeah. And then it was like, no, 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 you should look at the calories. So right. then I look and I go, oh, wow, 300 calories seems like a lot for a bar, which is a snack, essentially. That's right. um, and then now I hear people say, well, no, you should pay attention to the sugar. So then it becomes a bit confusing because it might be... For example, uh, I might say one hundred calories, which yes. sounds okay, yeah. and a lot of these snacks now are packaged as they are. Indiv- you know one hundred calories so that we know, but then you look and you go, "Wow, why is it's got eighteen grams of sugar yes. or so um Leanne's going to stick around after the break, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more because you might want to if you're you know heading home or if you've got a bar you know in your um in your What is it? Glove compartment. You might want to take a look and just see what she's talking about, because the bar that you're using, you know, after your workout or uh, as a breakfast on the run uh, might actually not be doing any favors for no, your body and then you're wondering why you're still hungry so Leanne's going to stick around and talk about that we'll also talk about some uh, snacks and uh, food cravings and what your better options are so you're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010 here until 10pm tonight
0: This is the Pei Chen Show In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Do you have a box of uh, breakfast bars at home? Or maybe they're called cereal bars, protein bars, whatever it is. Well, before you pack one for breakfast tomorrow, you want to listen in to what Leanne has to say. Leanne Phillips and Webb is here with me, registered nutritionist, also the founder of SproutRight.com, a great go-to website for lots of fantastic uh, nutrition information. So we've been talking about these bars because they're everywhere. It used to be that you might Up just there. find a couple of granola bars, you yeah. know, in the aisle. But now there's like whole sections of the store dedicated to them. And then I think it's a little bit tricky because they're now marketed as something that you can use as a meal replacement. Yes. Or the perfect post-workout yes. snack. Yes. Or something that you can send off to school with the kids. Yeah. And it's not like they're going to kill you but you i think what's happening is people are assuming that they're much better for you than they actually are yeah. and some of them have very few good
2: ingredients well i mean when you say few good ingredients when because you, when you actually read the label the label goes on forever some of these it's, like it's a large portion yeah. of the of the packaging and the writing gets smaller and smaller and smaller because they have to fit so many words that you don't even <laughs> And the can't... words are really long. <laughs> I, 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 that's one thing I was going to say. If you can't pronounce them,
1: put it back. Okay, so for example, you brought in one, uh, you brought in a, like a granola bar. It's like, well, it's a yogurt, fruit, and nut bar. All three of those sound yes. fantastic. Don't they? It says quinoa granola bar. And I've seen these. And that these. grabbed me. And quinoa grabbed me and I thought, oh, this is new. I haven't seen
2: this before. And quinoa is a fantastic superfood. It's really high in protein. But then when you go and read the label. There's about
1: 1,000 ingredients in here. So quinoa is the first one. But then it's followed by yogurt coating, which is sugar, modified palm kernel, and modified palm oil, modified milk ingredients, yogurt powder. There's uh, color. Um, Let's see. There's some... Brown sugar, sunflower oil, dried unsweetened coconut, honey. There's l- a lot l- l- of sugars in there. Caramel. Like a lot gluco- of the word sugar. sugar. But on the front, it says quinoa, yogurt, yeah, fruit, and That's nut. right. Yeah, they got me.
3: They got, hey, that's so great I thought, for you I is thought, it?
1: This, I thought this, is, this could be
2: this could be good, but so let's... honestly, if it comes in a package, yeah, you have got to look at both the nutritional label mm-hmm. and the ingredients. So what are we looking for in
1: terms of ingredients?
2: So the fewer the better, yeah, ones that you can actually pronounce and read. Mm-hmm. And, as in with this bar that you're holding in your hand, there's a lot of, yogurt and then brackets and then there's more sugars in there and then there's like the, the caramel flavoring yeah more brackets and then more words in there so for instance one of the bars that i've eaten my kids have eaten and we've had all the time are lara bars they've been around for a long time yeah i'm familiar with those they have they're mostly made with dates that's their sweetener um which is really high in fiber it's high in iron and one of one of the bars is just cashews and dates. Mm-hmm. Those are the two ingredients of that bar. Okay, they that's still it. Are, it still is high in sugar. It's not the same as the word sugar or glucose or dextrose or fructose or anything like that. It's still high in a natural form of sugar. However, there's only two things in it, and
1: that's it. So is it also, um, I, I guess... You you know you like Lara bars are made with dates and I was telling you off air that I used to eat Lara bars and then yeah. someone told me well wow, dates are really high in sugar so I I felt like oh maybe I shouldn't be eating them. That's right. So
2: for instance I do eat dates like as a pre workout and then I take not quite a teaspoon but about half a teaspoon of coconut oil and I shove it in the middle and then I eat that because the coconut oil will slow down the release of the dates. So you know, you have to sort of have it in a little bit of context. If you're looking at one of the more cereal bars or sort of these these protein-ish bars that are masquerading as, you know, something super healthy for your breakfast or have this before your workout or, or whatever. Well, because
1: some of them have oats, Leanne, and oats, I happen to know, are healthy. Oh, oats are healthy. <laughs> they However, all have oats now. are they,
2: are you know, are they the first ingredient or, or the 10th ingredient and yes. are there 100 afterwards? So right. it's, it's, it is difficult. And, you know, a lot of people get these bars and they send them with their kids, because they think they're doing a healthy thing by having some sort of granola bar, mm-hmm. but really they aren't. Just send the fruit, and you can't send nuts to school anyway. But if right. if it's at the office, and always have a bag of almonds or cashews if you love them, or something like that. Always have those with you. An apple, um, or you know, or some grapes with some cottage cheese or pineapple and cottage cheese is so much better, even as a pre-workout snack. Mm-hmm. Far far better than going to have one of, one of these bars. And I think these bars
1: can get pricey too.
2: They can. They can. Another one that I quite liked is a is a newish one. It's called Bounce. Well, so I've never heard it's of this a, it's one. It's actually in a it's actually in a it's round, so it's okay. in a ball. Um and all the numbers came up really quite well in that, but it's at least two fifty, maybe three bucks, for one of these bars. That's a bit expensive. Right? So that's, it's yeah. that's nutty. And don't tell me that an apple and a few nuts are cost more than that. I right. don't think that's possible. So
1: I mean I guess in that situation, if you are going to buy one of those like higher end protein bars, because some of them do yes are advertised as, like, having 11 grams of protein because you're working out really hard, and they are, like, $3 or so, then Uh, that's... It's a lot. It is a lot, lot. and that, I guess, is, you know, maybe you're traveling, you're hiking, whatever, you're packing that to go, but uh, as something... you know every day then no not so much this does
2: not need to be a staple in it in anyone's lunch box all right it should this not is, be my breakfast every this day. is <laughs> no, this should not be your breakfast every day okay. at all it really shouldn't
1: um so let's move on to talking about uh, food and cravings because i think that can relate a little bit we we're just talking about these bars that oftentimes have a lot of sugar and ne- don't necessarily uh fill us up no not at all so uh, what have you got there so cravings, depending on what your cravings are, we probably have
2: the most typical craving is going to be chocolate. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, that's going to hit anyone mid-afternoon. You know, you're at work, you're at your desk, you're starting to have that bit of a slump, you're not sitting up so tall, and you're like, oh, I could just crawl under my desk for a little bit. Or you're at home with the kids, and they're just particularly grating on your nerves at that time of day. But also after, after dinner, mm-hmm. a lot of people, they sit down, they have their dinner, they've gone from you know, 12 noon or one o'clock and finally they're eating at seven o'clock. They haven't had anything in between other than munching their way through something while they're preparing dinner. They sit down, they eat dinner and it says you feel as if you haven't had anything because all you want is to keep on eating. You go for the ice cream or the chocolate or whatever. You have to look at your whole day. So sometimes cravings mean more in terms of nutrient levels. So if you're consistently craving chocolate and I'm not talking, you know, like the typical milk chocolate bar. I'm mm-hmm. talking, you know, if every day you're, you're like, oh, I just need that one square of dark chocolate. You're, I, I do think that there's something to it where you genuinely could be low in magnesium. You get a lot of magnesium from that cacao bean. Mm-hmm. So if there's something like that going on, and you're looking at the big picture. Maybe you're not sleeping so well. Maybe you're getting cramps in your legs and all those kind of. There's a little, bit, a little bit more of that going on. Your immune system's not doing so well. It might genuinely have something to do with magnesium. Okay. So don't go to the vending machine every afternoon saying, oh, heard on the radio, she said... I need to have this for magnesium. (laughs) Your typical chocolate bar is not high in magnesium. But that really dark, rich, raw cacao, something like that Mm -hmm. is, it actually packs a massive nutrition punch. And that's why you can normally just have one square.
1: So that's the stuff that's really like, highs like 70% exactly. chocolate. Yeah. It's a little Cocoa. bit bitter, but yeah. you do you quite develop so, a taste for it.
2: You do, but it's harder to mm-hmm. kind of mow your way through a big bar of that. Yeah, you're not taking just, giant bites of that you're stuff. You're not. You're kind of having that one to two squares. So so that kind of thing is okay. So let's say that sweets are not your thing. And you're going for the salty, mm-hmm. you know, you're more of a chip person or the roasted peanuts and all of those kind of things. And again, it's more of a craving. It's not it's not that sort of emotional fix or or anything like that. Um, then your adrenals might be really in need of a vacation of stress. Okay. We're all under stress. all It's the hard time. to control. It's easy to say you should control your stress. It's it's it It comes down to choices. And and I'm not, you know, I've got a lot of stress going on in my life. There's a lot that mm-hmm. I can't control. However, it's how I deal with it. So do I do a little bit of exercise? And not crazy, go to the gym, knock yourself out, because that adds actually more stress on your adrenals. At one stage in my life, it was probably after my second child, then a homeopath said to me, your adrenals are so tired you are in such adrenal fatigue, it's crazy. You have to stop doing your like mommy aerobics where I would go and, you know, you use the, <laughs> you use the kid as the, as, as the weight and I push them both up some crazy hill in high park you know, with yeah, lunges I've at seen, the same time. Yeah, I've seen time. mom groups do that. They use their babies I, as weights and they do squats. I did all that stuff and she said, it's too much for your adrenal. So more yoga, more breathing, meditating, you know, just sort of even just sitting in the car when you're stuck in traffic and you're late, three deep breaths, that helps. Just right. these really little things. So if it's all salty, mm-hmm. then talk to somebody about, like, I've been so stressed. My little adrenal glands are just about popped out. They're, right. really, they're really, really struggling.
1: Um, well, we have to go to break. But can you stick around? Because I would like yeah. to talk a little bit more about food cravings. And I think a big one, I know one for me and probably for a lot of people, yes. is carbs. Yes. Donuts. Breads, of course. bagels, that sort yes. of thing. I want that all the time. So Leanne's going to stick around. More great information for you coming up. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I'm here until 10 p.m. tonight.
0: More with Pay Chen on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010.
1: Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm Pay Chen with you until. 10 p.m. tonight, covering for Vinny, who's away for a couple of weeks. Uh, Thank you so much for everyone who's been texting in, just trying to keep up with some of the texts, and uh, Leanne is trying to do her best to answer you. You can text us at 71010. Uh, Leanne Phillips and Webb is here with me. She's a registered nutritionist, also the founder of SproutRight.com, which is a great source for uh, lots of uh, nutritional information, health info. And if you are interested in perhaps, you know, taking your health and nutrition one step further and having someone like Leanne consult, then you can always contact her through... Her website, as that is something she does with clients, because people people who want to make a change often have to hire a professional just for a little while. You do need help. You need some sort of coach, you know, I'm a nutritionist,
2: call me a nutrition coach like whatever that, you know, I I do this all the time. It get we have to get specific. Yeah. We need to figure out what's going on. Because as we were talking before the break about that, you know, those chocolate cravings, what does that mean? Is it a nutrition deficiency or is it because your blood sugar is so out of whack? If you go home after and you've had dinner and then all you want to do is eat all all evening, Mm. that is a problem. It's a problem in in what's happening. So I always get my clients to write out a food diary. They're always mortified to think they have to give me something like that. I've done that a couple times and I hate it. However, just looking at that, the nuts and bolts of all of the foods and how you're you're combining your foods. Let's just say you're having one of these crazy cereal bars we were talking about earlier for breakfast. That's pure carb. Mm -hmm. You've just put yourself on a roller coaster that's going to be up and down like a yo-yo for the rest of the day. By the time it gets to after dinner, you will eat anything that's not nailed down. If you have an egg or some cottage cheese with Mm -hmm. that not-so-great cereal bar. Ideally, it would be just a much better breakfast. (laughs) However, put the protein with it. That makes your day much smoother. So those afternoon cravings, those afternoon energy slumps and mood slumps, your concentration... You know, whenever you go to a conference or anything like that, the poor presenter after lunch is dealing with people sort of snoozing in the back because they're so
1: tired. Because everyone just had like a giant sandwich. That's right,
2: (laughs) and also to speak to that a little bit is if you know you're craving. Because we're talking about cravings as well. You're craving the bread, or the or you know you just oh it's just going to have that sandwich. See, I feel like something
1: like that is huge. Okay, I feel like a lot of people. I mean other than perhaps those who are celiac or trying to avoid, you know, wheat and gluten and bread yes. and all of that. But a big craving for myself, and I think for a lot of people based on, you know, bagel sales, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, is having like just wanting that because it's comforting. Like I want that it with is. cream cheese or butter in the yeah. morning. Um, You know, when somebody brings in a box of donuts, like that's just right. pure squishy deliciousness. Right. And the reason why you're going for that is a lot of the sugar...
2: Those carbs are comforting for a lot of reasons. However, if you're craving that and you want that bread and you want those carbs, your blood sugar, you are doing that roller coaster yo-yo situation where you're up, great, you're feeling lovely, and then you crash. And then Mm -hmm. when you crash, like, give me coffee now. Or, you know, you're that kind of person where you just need some injection of something. I need something. I need sugar. I need caffeine. Then the donuts are going to be – you're not going to be able to stay away from them at all. They're going to be sitting there. No. No willpower will stop you from having them. So that's where the protein and the fat come in. You've got to be having those. And if you are genuinely craving bread all the time, it can be a food sensitivity. Mm -hmm. We don't always crave things that we need. Right? So sometimes people say, Oh, I crave steak. Mm -hmm. I gotta have a steak. Or I really need a a girlfriend who craves something like that. Yeah. So, again, kind of like what I said about the chocolate and the magnesium, you have to take it into the context of the big picture. So, if you run up a flight of stairs and you're all puffed out, or you're tired, you're just exhausted, you just somebody pulled the plug on your energy, you could actually be iron deficient. Mm -hmm. So, go have a blood test, go check it out figure out if that's why you want steak and burgers all the time, or is it the bread that you want, right? Like right. it's difficult to say. So you need to kind of take a bit of a step back to look at the big picture of health. And that's what you have to do all the time. And again, with this sort of these cravings and with wanting so much to have, um, you know, even cheese, we were talking mm-hmm. about cheese before. Cheese is
1: a big craving,
2: I think. A cheese is a really big craving C- just and dairy or, oh, I need my glass of milk or something like that big food sensitivity. Ding, ding, ding. That goes off. If somebody that's on for someone's food diary, when they come in to do, a, uh, you know, to do a consultation with me, then I'm going to look at how much wheat and dairy is going into their diet. We just weren't made to eat the same thing every single day, every mm-hmm. single meal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we need to change it up a little bit. So go mm-hmm. buy some spelt bread or go buy some gluten-free bread one week, you know, every time. Just sort of try and switch it up as much as you can. But sometimes if you're craving cheese, you maybe just need some fat we, we've we're getting but then what out, fat we're getting should we out, have we're kind of getting out of the whole low fat thing hopefully mm-hmm. because i actually suggest you do put butter or olive oil or coconut oil on your veggies because you need that fat to transport those good nutrients into couldn't, your system i couldn't i just put cheese on my veggies sure yeah you could but again it's about moderation you don't sit there and have like half a mm. brick of cheddar
1: well, some of us do. Yes, again. some of us some do. Some of us do. Yes.
2: <laughs> and I've done it to myself. But then I realized, well, what actually have I eaten today mm-hmm. that contains fat next to nothing? Been a high protein day or a big salad day with not much dressing or something like that. You know, you can go for the oil and vinegar dressing or you go for the crazy high saturated fat ranch or Caesar or something mm-hmm. like that. That's going to pile on a lot of calories. You're not going to feel so great after that. Or you might you know, depending on what else you've eaten in the day.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because a lot of times I don't know if I'm craving the the food or if I just like the taste of it. Like Exactly. And, it's, and
2: it is difficult because if there are these cravings that are driving you crazy, you know, reach out. Reach out because I'll look at your food diary. I'll see what's going on. I'll be able to paint a better picture for you. We'll inject some different foods in different places and it should make a difference. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be dramatic changes. It can just be some really small things that you do throughout the week. Uh, I saw a client the other day and I said, for the next month, I want you to do these three things and do them well. And that's it. So away she goes. She's going to try and do these things really well. And then we'll come back, revisit, see how she's feeling, and then we'll move on from there.
1: So what snacks do you suggest or what you know, f- food options do you suggest to people who say, you know, I these are the things I eat. I don't have a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, I struggle. And let's assume that they have a pretty average diet, diet something yeah. that could use improvement. So then what do you suggest people have to try to increase their energy or help them sleep better? So it, it, it you have to look at the whole day,
2: the 24-hour period. Okay, so, so not just one meal. No, so breakfast has to be protein-rich. So you can eat eggs every day. Debunk that whole myth that you can't have eggs every day. You can have two eggs every day if mm-hmm. you want. So eggs with some sort of carb. It could just be a fruit or a veggie. Protein shake is my fave because it's really fast. And you know, stick it in a cup and off I go. Um, do the school run or whatever it is. So you got to have some fruit in there. I always eat fruit at breakfast. Try and keep it as colorful as possible. No one's diet that comes across my desk has enough vegetables in it ever. Really? It just doesn't. <laughs> I very very rarely see. A diet where I say, hmm, there's nothing that I can do here. You're perfect. (laughs) I mean, and somebody would say that about my diet, too, because, you know, that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have to have a mid-morning snack. That could be veggie and hummus or veggie and peanut butter, like, you know, old school celery sticks with peanut butter put in the middle if you want something like that. So you've got a little bit of protein and carb. Big fat salad for lunch or some soup. Again, got to have a little bit of protein in there. So, if you're vegetarian, that could look like some fantastic chickpeas or really high in, um, or any beans actually, Mm -hmm. lentils, any of those. Um, Also, some tofu. Make sure it's organic so that it's non GMO. That's really important when it comes to soy. Afternoon snack, about two, two and a half hours after lunchtime. Then, water all the way throughout the day. If you have a cup of coffee, that's two more glasses of water to dilute that coffee. And then think about, What time did you have lunch and what time are you about to have dinner? Sometimes it's a big gap for people. It can sometimes be like I'm almost asleep's worth. It can be like seven, eight hours. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering why you're just you want to eat your arm on the way home. It's too long. Eat every three hours. Now, I don't necessarily keep somebody doing that for a long period of time, but that's
1: to get you out of that place where you are just someone's pulled the plug. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Leanne. And I, there's a post on your website, right? With a bit more information? Yes. So you can go to
2: sproutright.com. We've put, got a blog up there with some a little bit more about the cravings and what they mean and what
1: you can look at. All right. Great. Uh, that's Leanne web webb uh, registered nutritionist, also the founder of sproutright.com. Great information. Thanks so and, much. And uh, this means that hopefully when I get home, I won't eat that half a... Brick of cheese. Let's hope. I don't know. Baby steps, Leanne. <laughs> that's what I'm working on. Um, coming up after the break, I'm going to talk to the associate editor of uh, Huffington Post Canada. What they did was they found some of the secret menu items at popular Toronto restaurants. These are things that are not advertised that you will never see on a menu, but only people in the know know they exist. So that's coming up after this quick break. Paychan.com is my website if you want to go and uh, catch up on podcasts.
0: You're listening to the Pei Chen Show on InDepth Radio News Talk 1010.
1: Well, even if you do visit your favorite fast food place more often than you should, and you feel like you know that menu at the back of your hand, I bet you don't, because there are things on that menu that you don't even know about. There are things on that menu that people are enjoying that you've never tasted before. You might be surprised to know that uh, even the massive international fast food chains that you know about have a list of secret menu items. They're, They're items that they don't advertise, but that people in the know will order because they know it exists. And now with the internet, of course, you can go online, you can Google secret menu and maybe plug in the name of your favorite coffee shop or fast food place. And uh, people have listed them out there. So it's much easier to find and to know about. Um, I'll just give you a few examples. Like McDonald's is one, and I feel like I've been saying the name too much, but uh, just because I feel like that's one that people know about and, and have visited. They have things like French fries with Big Mac sauce. So I bet you didn't know that's something you could actually order. There's also something called the Mc1035. This is like a brunch sandwich. It's one that's kind of tough to to get because uh, it is only available during this window when breakfast and the regular menu items at McDonald's are available, which is usually between, um, according to this website, 1030 to 11 a.m. at most uh, McDonald's stores, restaurants restaurants. So basically, the it's a combination of a burger and a breakfast sandwich. So you get an Egg McMuffin and a McDouble. Then you put the patties and the cheese into the McMuffin and you have the Mc1035. But that one is a fussy secret menu item. So there are these things that people have discovered that they can order, that they can either put together themselves or that you can request uh, from the the cashier or the person who's making the food. So never mind all of these giant fast food chains, a lot of small independent restaurants also have secret menu items. And Artie Patel is on the line. She's the associate editor at Huffington Post Canada. Hi, Artie. Hi, Hey, How are you? Uh, I'm pretty excited about this whole secret menu business. Because <laughs> I was I, very excited. About this. <laughs> I've always been kind of obsessed with secret menus and not so much about trying them, but I love the idea of reading about them and knowing them because I think, who thought of that? Like some of these things are pretty outrageous, especially with the, you know, the major fast food chains. But I love the idea that a lot of, you know, the restaurants in the GTA have items that, let's say, you know, may have been on the menu at one point or one night it was like the chef's special, but people kept requesting it. So they will make it if you ask for it, but they won't actually list it on the menu. So exactly. You actually searched out some of Toronto's secret menus. During this process of trying to find them, what surprised you?
3: Well I think the thing about Toronto is we're such a big landscape of so many restaurants. And the first thing that surprised me was even if a restaurant that we called didn't have a menu, they were just so willing to be flexible with their menu. And I think that's something that when restaurant goers go to these places, some people, that's one of their biggest requests. Like, can you make this vegetarian? Can you make this gluten-free? Can you get rid of the bread and such with this? You know, there are some restaurants in the city that are, you know, completely strict with their menus, but... Even the ones who didn't have deep in menu items were more than happy to change things around. The thing that surprised me the most was how many there actually were Me too because um, you wrote yeah.
1: about it. you wrote about it on the Huffington post Canada, uh, yeah, Huffington Post Canada website and that's where I found it and I thought, wow, I didn't know this. Many, you know, secret menu items existed in the city.
3: Yeah, it's actually a a topic that we had come up with uh, last year, actually. And we, you know, we tried some out and it was sort of the major ones that all of us have sort of heard about. Like if you're you're a foodie or you love food or you're just like reading about food in Toronto, you know, there are some that definitely stick up. There's your Burgers Priest and your Salad King. But what I did that day was basically call up a lot of places that are, you know, either new or... It's really buzzy right now or people just seem to be talking about these restaurants or even the classics to see if they actually had items and surprisingly when i called them they all most of them said yes <laughs> that is a bit it, it does kind of surprise
1: me especially with some of the smaller toronto restaurants because the menu does kind of change pretty frequently that i would think they would just say yeah. like hey you know what it's not on the menu you can't order. you can't order that um so let's talk about some of your favorites because you did try a couple of them
3: Yes, for sure. Um, Bobby Boys was one of our favorites that we each all had as a team. Ah, uh, so Bobby um, Boys—they
1: have. I'll just for listeners who aren't aware, they have. I believe it's two locations right now in the city. Yes. Um, so they were at Queen and Spadina, then they have one up around Young and Gerard, and they do sort of um, a modern take on the typical like Chinese bow, which is like a steamed bun, and they jam it full of you know. Um, I'm just trying to think, like, different kinds of meats and veg and a bit like a Vietnamese bami as well, so a yeah. Vietnamese sandwich. And they're really famous for their kimchi fries.
3: Yes. So it's actually funny. Is When I usually go to bami boys, I always ask for kimchi in my bao all the time. Because it doesn't typically
1: uh, come with it, does it? No, it
3: doesn't come with kimchi at all. Like, the only way you can get kimchi is on the fries. So when we found out that you can actually get kimchi fries bow, that's the one I had to try right away because I'm like kimchi's my thing, I need to do this. <laughs> and it was delicious. I'm just a big fan of kimchi and if you love kimchi this is my thing. If you love kimchi fries but you're not gonna eat the entire plate of fries. Yes. This is a perfect way to add it to your bow. So kimchi fries
1: bow, which is basically <laughs> it is basically a sandwich of French fries and kimchi. Yes.
3: But right. you also get your meat or your protein alternatives. So if you're oh. a vegetarian, you can get it with uh, tofu. Yeah. And if you're a meat, you can get it with any of their meat options. Okay. So that's but, also good too. You get a good. You still get the bow, but you get that addition of a French fries in your in your sandwich. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> sounds delicious. Actually, sounds like something that is not really all that good for you, but yeah. <laughs> is delicious. Uh, all right. So tell me about another favorite.
3: South King, I think, is one of those iconic Toronto places that everyone, you know, it's nostalgic for students, um, anyone who went to the Ryerson community. Mm-hmm. And the Thai Islamic noodles are not so much a secret anymore, even though it's not on the menu Everyone knows about it, which is also fun. But they so have what, yet to put it on their menu. They said,
1: okay, so Salad King is at uh, Young and uh, just north of South Dundas. Dundas, yep. And it's upstairs now. It used to be um, on Gould Street near Ryerson. It's because I went to Ryerson that I was so familiar with it. So now they're yeah. on Young Street, and it's a really great, um, cheap and cheerful Thai takeout place, or takeout and eat in. And but eat it's in, like yeah. it's a great. It's got great food and it's very reasonably priced, which is why it's so popular with the uh, university students in the area. So – and they ha- the thing is is they have a lot of things on their menu yeah. as well. And so now they uh, and I've heard of these um, the noodles that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what are they exactly?
3: So the Thai Islamic noodles is a combination of coconut curry, and they put it over your favorite pad thai. So they have a couple of pad thai options, so you can get it either vegetarian or with chicken. And then if you ask for Thai Islamic, they'll also put a coconut curry over it, which is very comforting. It's the perfect meal for winter. <laughs> uh, you know, if you love curry, but you don't want to eat it with rice, this option is great. It's like two amazing things curry.
1: in one dish. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. You know, and uh, you did profile for the most part, uh, like local, small restaurants. But, um, you know, just because some a place like Jack Astor's, for example, is, yes. is easily accessible to people, they also have kind of a secret menu item.
3: Yeah. So Jack Astor's is one of those places that, you know, if you live anywhere outside of the downtown core, it's sort of the place that everyone goes to on the weekends. It's the big group place. We just wanted to know if they might not even have a standalone item. But they said that you could get nachos there without the chips but replace it with French fries, which I thought was pretty great.
1: (laughs) That does. Wow. That sounds excellent. It's almost like a poutine, but without the gravy. I don't know. I'm kind of making that up. Yeah. But
3: nachos <laughs> <And> was, were... <laughs> and they were really into this whole flexible menu thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're able to switch around sauces for you or add different things to different pastas. If you like one part of a menu and one item and you like the other part of another, you can sort of combine it. So they're very, very flexible as well. Oh, okay. Is, That's good to know. Yeah. It's good to know if you, you know, you go to Jack's a lot, but you end up ordering the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, um, also,
1: uh... Also, <laughs> Why do you think, I mean, I guess in talking to these restaurants, you know, did, mm-hmm. did any of them tell you why they weren't going to put these items on the menu if they're actually quite popular? If they weren't going to? Oh, no, why they were not putting them on the menu because they are popular. So if you have an item that people are ordering, why not just add it to your menu?
3: I don't know. I think it still adds the sort of secret buzz to the restaurant. And I know, you know, when you're a regular customer, a lot of these are requested by regular customers. They sort of feel that little bit of love they have at that restaurant because they know that there is that one thing that, you know, they always get. Like when I called um, Come and Get It, Mm -hmm. it's another little fun uh, poutine salad place. You know, their secret menu item is actually a regular customer's favorite item. And when this person goes in, it's just a plain BLT, but they always ask for it. So now they've called this like the special order item.
1: Well, it's nice because then you're just rewarding people who eat there and frequent the place a lot. Artie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
3: No problem. Have a Thanks great you night.
1: You and, I, too. and I hope everyone enjoys secret menu items. If you want to find out more, you can check out Huffington Post Canada. They do have a list up there. Uh, you're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I am sticking around until 10 p.m. Vinnie White is away for a couple of weeks. Coming up, do you know what chemicals are lurking in your mattress? You want to tune in and find out.
4: Yeah. Nah, 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 nah.
0: Na, 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 na. Yeah. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on in depth radio, News Talk ten ten.
1: Don't worry, it's true. It's true. It is the Pei Chen Show up until 10 p.m. tonight. I'm uh, covering for Vinny, who's away for a couple of weeks. So thanks for tuning in and uh, for joining me. You can always interact with me during this show. You can text in at 71010. Thanks to all the listeners who have. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people have been letting me know their favorite secret menu items at restaurants in Toronto, which is great. Now I feel like I have to go around to all of these places and just order things that aren't on the menu um i was talking before the break about the chemicals that might be lurking in your mattress and why i think this is really important is just think about the amount of time you spend in bed for most of us it's not long enough but every night for a couple of hours you're lying on this mattress which is why i also think it's important to uh buy the best mattress you can afford because it should last you a couple of years. But um, you might not know about the chemicals and what's in that material in your mattress. So ecoholic columnist for Now Magazine, Adria Vassal does. And uh, she joins me on the line right now to talk about uh, the things we should know about, what we should avoid, and what some of the greener options might be for our beauty rest. Hi, Adria. Hey, Pay. How's it going? I'm doing well. And I'm really interested in this because, um, well, I have... A mattress that's only a year old, so I'm not, you know, looking for a new one anytime soon. But the minute I hear about certain chemicals or flame retardants on the material, I do get a little bit nervous because, you know, there's just a thin sheet that separates me from these chemicals for, you know, a
5: couple of hours every day. It's true, although I hope you're sleeping for more than a couple hours every night. Yeah, I would like to. <laughs> it's like, a, you know, technically a lot of us are spending a third of our lives, you know, eight mm-hmm. out of every 24 hours on our bed. So um, whatever is off-gassing from our mattresses, we're, you know, we're really exposed to for a lot of hours in the day. Absolutely. And, um, the, the, you know, there are all kinds of substances that could be coming off of a mattress. Um, traditionally, you know, a normal mattress is made with, polyurethane foams and you know it to make that foam um, and there'll be all kinds of chemicals use kind of a cocktail of chemicals um, uh, but a lot of things are emitted from it even at you know very low levels things like formaldehyde benzene toluene, all you know ingredients you don't really want to be inhaling at the end of the night
1: yeah no people who may not know you know, why those are bad. Like, it just, I think, oh, okay, formaldehyde, oh, yeah, okay, that doesn't sound very good. But those other chemicals are just, like, we're breathing them in, essentially, right?
5: Well, like, the formaldehyde, for instance, is, you know, we know it's a carcinogen, so it's tied to cancer. Now, you know, uh, is the amount that's coming off your mattress enough to, uh, you know, to cause health problems? Uh, the industry would certainly say no. And they have gotten their levels down over time, for sure. I mean, the one thing I have to say is, like, the mattress business has greened up its act uh, lot over the last, you know, couple decades. They no longer stir in, you know, really heavy-duty flame retardants into the mattresses, which is Great. really good. <laughs> that's um, good news. Yeah, exactly. I have some good news, too, because it used to be that you could get these really persistent flame retardants that are actually stuck in our tissues, and those flame retardants are still actually in our couches, but they took them out of bed, so that's a good thing. Um, but we still have those air-polluting, lung-irritating VOCs that com- could be coming off here mattress. And in fact, uh, in the U.S., about a year and a half ago, there was a class action lawsuit launched against Tempur-Pedic because um, they were claiming they were formaldehyde-free, and formaldehyde is mm-hmm. that you know, cancer-linked um, uh, ingredient that we were talking about earlier. And um, They were claiming they are formaldehyde-free and, and, and the lawyers, I guess, in this class action tested the mattresses and said, well, you're, you're lying because oh, it's, no. it's coming off those beds. And, and, you know, the company was saying, well, the ma- odor only lasts for a couple of days, but people were complaining it was lasting for months and and triggering allergies and health problems and so mm-hmm. that that class action is still in the works and we'll see what comes of that but it just kind of tips you off to some of what might be lurking in our beds you know and we're we don't know any of this when we're out there mattress shopping we're just basically looking to see how comfortable is the bed and you know yeah. how well will I sleep
1: I don't know that many people ask when they go shop, like mattress shopping, what is this made of? Or you know, what is this material? Because, like you said, we're usually going. Well, I you usually ask things like, do you sleep on your belly? Do you sleep on <laughs> yeah, your side? Exactly. Do you want firm or do you want soft? This has a pillow top. Those are the things that you know we get asked and that we're concerned about when we, when we buy a mattress. I don't know that anyone is that I know of has ever said, well, I think I should really ask what that top layer material is made out of. So you you're know, right. it, it can be a bit confusing if we don't know what to ask. So what should we look out for or what should we ask when we're mattress shopping?
5: Well, for one, you want to ask if the mattress has been certified in any way. Um, certified for its VOC levels. And VOCs are those air-polluting um, ingredients that we're talking about, like the formaldehydes and toluene and all kinds of stuff like that. So um, now you'll actually find that a lot of the big mattress companies like Simmons and Sealy, they're now all getting certified by... Um, this organization, 30 Pure. Okay, 30 okay. Pure is actually run by the foam industry, so it's not the toughest standard to beat so pretty much okay
1: because i was going to ask how legit i mean it's easy to say i think feel like with any sort of product out there you can say well this was certified by but if you're not familiar (laughs) with that organization or that board that certified that product uh for being you know organic or green or whatever then it's just you're just believing what they say. so
5: It's tricky. And actually, um, I, I posted up on my own website, ecoholic.ca, a guide to the different certifiers and telling oh, okay, you kind of great. which one's better than another because a lot of companies will just throw a bunch of seals at you and say, oh, well, I'm certified by Joe Schmo, you know, and yeah. it sounds it sounds like a great thing. And I'm certified and by my mom. Great. Nothing, you know, sorry, say that again. No, I said I'm
1: certified by my mom. So, you know, great. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, because it's really hard because if you've not heard of these, these organizations before, then how would you
5: know, right? That's it, exactly. And so I, I, you know, went through all the levels that they permitted and compared. Some of them, you know, allow for – some of them test for more than just VOCs. They're testing for, um, you know, flame retardants. They're Mm -hmm. testing for um, – depending on the material, pesticides, they're testing for, you know, those – phthalate plastic softeners that are banned from baby toys, and so a lot of parents really don't want to see that in their baby crib mattresses. Crib mattresses. So um, things like that, you'll see. I, I break it all down at ecohawk.ca to make it easier for you to know which ones to ask about. Um, but, yeah, you know, you, the good news is that at least the, the big companies, these 37 they have the basic certification. You can definitely go a step further, though. Interestingly enough, tempur didn't have those certifications, so that's kind of telling. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can... You know, there are companies out there, even Ikea is, you know, coming out with more natural materials these days. So I, I was calling around to see, OK, who's got a natural mattress? Because a lot of them right. for a while were saying, well, we've got some soy foam or we've got a, some green tea extract in our beds. And and really, <laughs> that I mean, sounds
1: really delicious. <laughs> yeah. So, OK, well, let's let's backtrack just for a second then. And, and what would a natural mattress be?
5: What sort of material are we talking about? A natural mattress would uh, normally be natural rubber latex interior mm-hmm. and so the core instead of having it be polyurethane foam with springs is going to be latex and you know don't worry you know if you've got a latex algae you're not actually coming in contact with the latex that's in the middle and people don't usually have a problem with it um, in the beds and so there's latex in the middle of the bed and then they top it off with uh, wool and then they have a cotton exterior kind of cover to the bed often you know, depending on the price point, you can get organic cotton, which, you know, not everyone will necessarily afford, but it's an option. Um, And even IKEA had, you know, when I went digging around, I was surprised that they had um, beds that were mostly natural latex and they had wool toppers and Mm -hmm. cotton cover. So, you know, I mean, that was probably the most affordable of the, you know, natural mattresses. There are some that are are pure and they'll be like a hundred percent natural and a hundred percent organic and those like you know sleep tech and obasan and naturopedic also sort of has some of those um you can actually you know there a lot of them are made in canada they've got really great ingredients they will cost you more though you know they right. but they are you know certified to the roof and they've got all the best seals that you get and the ingredients are are really good but you know i um I bought a bed like this for myself, and I waited till Boxing Day to get it. Because, <laughs> because so, which what bed did you buy? I bought one a few years ago. Now, five. Uh, well, no, no, eight years ago, I guess, when mm-hmm. the first ecoholic book came out in two thousand seven. I thought, okay, with this paycheck, I'm going <laughs> to buy myself a certified organic bed, and I'm really glad I did it. Mean, it's so comfortable, and. Um, and it's it's worth it because you have it for 20 years and that's you know the warranty on these products mm-hmm. and the nice thing about it is um yeah you know they're made in canada and if you go to a showroom i went to um a place in north york uh soma was the name of the store and they actually have a whole bunch of beds and you know they'll start um i think they maybe start at like 1500 and mm-hmm. then go up from there but they'll go up to you know five um, thousand right. dollars and you can choose and lie down and try it out um there are you know if you check out your local green store like grassroots or um uh, you know some of the green stores across town, they will actually have mattresses in their showroom for you to lie on to and it might be only one mattress in the store um mm-hmm. that's the advantage of of the big you know kind of soma style stores where they've got uh, twenty mattresses for you to check out but yeah the you know that it's nice to see a variety of price ranges out there and especially I find new parents um are the ones looking for natural mattresses for their kids more than they are so for themselves first and then once they I believe that yeah yeah it's it's kind of um they might not people might might not want to spend the money on it for themselves but um they they can see the value of of choosing an all-natural you know even organic mattress for for their little ones because you don't want to be exposed to stuff like formaldehyde and and have the fumes coming up through the mattress um, even if they're at trace levels Mm -hmm. so but you know, you do have to be careful when you're shopping around for those natural mattresses because, like I started saying, there's a lot of that greenwashy stuff. Where well, we
1: really have to do our research, right? Because it's easy for someone to say. Because I would imagine that a lot of mattress companies um, sort of have their their go-to response, right? So when somebody yeah. comes in and says, uh, "Well, I'm wondering, is this, uh, you know," d- are there? What do you have? These bad chemicals in there, and is this certified? And then we're like, oh yeah, it's certified by this, this, and this. And there's always a, a nice way to spin it and to convince you that oh, okay, this it. is this is okay. So it requires you as the purchaser who's going to invest a hefty sum of money because mattresses aren't cheap. And I I really do think if you're buying a cheap mattress, you have to ask yourself what it i think you're compromising something there um mm-hmm. because you shouldn't True. have to replace it too you shouldn't have to buy a new mattress every couple like every two or three years um because it's suddenly very lumpy um so it's right. one of those things that you should invest in for you know a couple of years now um when something because i guess it's typical for most people to go to a big box store and buy their mattress assuming that there are some sort of chemicals there that are not great, but maybe not banned. How long do do the materials typically off gas like how long might we be breathing that in?
5: Well, the companies will tell you that it should just last for a few days, although you know you do hear reports of people complaining for up to a few months mm-hmm. about it, and um normally the companies will just say, um, you know, air it out before you use it. But, you know... Well, where know are you going to air out a mattress? It's a little difficult. You're going to put it on your deck, you know, yeah. and what if it rains? Um, yeah. and one company said the best way to uh, reduce those air-polluting VOCs in its mattress faster was to actually use the bed. So well, What does that even mean? Like what does that mean? So, so you want us to jump on it yeah. and, you know, put the whole family on it so that the VOCs <laughs> kind of dissipate? I don't know about that technique. Um, that was so, a terrible answer. Like... I know. Thank you for nothing. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Um, you, well, someone just texted in and, and asked about futons because those, I guess it's like a lot of, um, I want to say like cotton batting almost, and then you know, some fabric around, wrapped around it. I don't know if that would be any better, but I'm sure that the futons could good also question. be treated.
5: And, you know, I, I actually didn't look into futons very closely for the column, and that makes me want to do so for the uh, <laughs> for my Echolhawk.ca blog, because that's where I put extra content. And uh, uh, I think that, you know, one thing I did come across was a wool, at one futon that's like 100% wool. And the thing with wool is that, um, is that it's naturally flame retardant. If you use any other material, like, you know, just plain cotton batting, mm-hmm. then it's you're going to have to have some flame retardants in there. Now, what other mattresses do, like the big polyurethane foam, Sealy, cerdas and all that, is they have moved away from flame retardants, but they're using these. What they call flame retardant barriers. And I imagine that the futons are doing the same thing too. So, again, it depends on the company. So, they could be, um, you know, having this kind of cellulose fabric that's treated with silica, and that's considered a bit safer. Then there's some that were actually putting like a plastic resin, um, oh. melamine resin, which ended up, we found out that that was kicking off formaldehyde too, and that, you know, we started saying, okay, no, move away from that. Um, and so you, again, have to ask questions even with futons. Mm-hmm. You know, they might say, oh, it's natural, it's all cotton, but what are the flame retardant barriers used on that mattress? Um, it's a good question to ask. And okay. often the salespeople will just look at you and go, huh? I don't know.
1: I know. They're probably <laughs> thinking, like, no one asks me about flame retardants. Like, this is they <laughs> yeah. ask me, you know, uh, if it's registered as, like, a firm or soft mattress. Um, that's so it. that's a good, so that's a question that we should be asking is about the flame retardants.
5: Yes. Yeah, you know, they they might say that they're flame return free, but then probe and say, well, I know you guys use flame return barrier sheets, you call them, and they don't, they'll say, oh, we didn't add flame return to the foam, but we do, yes, yes, have flame return barrier sheets. Right, okay, so you want to know about that. So you kind of have to prod to get to the answers you want to, you know, to get right. to the right answers. Um, it's. That's the annoying part. I actually called uh, a major mattress chain and mm-hmm. and asked them. And this was their main phone number, and said, "Hey, I was just curious if you had any mattresses that contained any, you know, kind of natural materials." And um, he said, "Oh, 100 percent." Oh, so, What do you mean? He says, oh, all of our matches are 100% natural. I said, well, your website says that they're made mostly of polyurethane foam. He goes, oh, no, that's illegal. I said, well, actually no, polyurethane isn't illegal. And I realized he's just making stuff up because he thinks I want to hear. you know?
1: He's <laughs> like, is it yes, it's organic. Is it yeah. made of unicorn hair? Yes, it is made of unicorn <laughs> yeah. hair. So please come down. We only have two left yeah, and they're exactly. on sale to buy. Get um, your unicorn bed. Yeah, exactly. So, ecoholic.ca, Adria, is your website where you've put up all of the Information so listeners can go there if they want to find out more info, and you've detailed sort of the different um, organizations that can that certify. Exactly. Um, I want to quickly talk about uh, your recent ecoholic column about microbeads. Yeah. And let's just talk a little bit about that because I don't know that listeners may realize that those little scrubbing beads, uh, you know, for their face wash or in their toothpaste, might actually be
5: doing serious damage. Yeah. So you know. when you go to the drugstore and pick up a body wash or face scrub or even toothpaste, um, you know, a lot of them are advertising that they have these scrubbing microbeads and not all of them say it on the label, but um, they, the problem with these microbeads is that scientists have been finding them in our lakes and oceans uh, at really alarming rates and they're finding them in the bellies of fish and seabirds. And um, it's, it's considered a real environmental threat and so right now in canada there's been some moves uh happening to try and get microbeads banned now there's been a lot of action on this front south of the border so the u.s is kind of ahead of the game on this chicago and illinois already banned them or brought in a ban this summer and I think there's nine other states now that are bringing bans in. Canada's a bit behind, but Mm -hmm. um, just last week uh, in Ontario, um, a Liberal MPP brought in um, a motion trying to uh, get the, trying to get Microbeads banned here. But the problem is, um, you know, if bands kick in, they're not gonna really kick in until like two thousand and seventeen. Oh now, wow, a it's a long way. Yeah, so I'm really encouraging people to start their own bands today. And even, you know, the, the federal government just last week announced, okay, we're gonna study this issue and we're gonna look into whether we should regulate it. But that's a really slow moving process if you know anything about the government. <laughs> no, yeah. You know. Again, so if
1: we have these products, so I, I just feel like it's very common. Like every yeah. time I open up my magazine or I watch TV, I'm I I see a really really nice product for my face and it's to exfoliate. And it's got these little beads in there, you know, it feels mm-hmm. nice and comfy. Um, and these are, you know, major, uh, cosmetic companies that are making them. So let's just say I have half a tube at home, which I do, uh, and I don't, and I, and I'm thinking, okay, now that I understand that this is really bad for the environment, and, right. and because it's going, you know, fish are consuming it, and then I'm consuming the fish, so it's all coming back to me. What, what should I be doing with it? Leaving it on my shelf? How do I get rid of it?
5: You know, a lot of people with other products when they're going natural or going green, they might just finish the bro- the bottle and then switch over at the end. But I would say if you have a product in your house right now that contains microbeads stop using it definitely okay. stop using it i would even bring it to you know household hazardous waste depot or your when the um community environment days start up and you can bring um you know toxic cleaners or right. or you your, know, old uh, your old paints or stuff yeah you can you can bring that there too and um i really don't want to see those going down the drain any further do you know that one bottle of clean and clear facial scrub they found i think it was over 300,000 Beads in one (laughs) bottle. It's crazy. So we're finding... Billions of these in the Great Lakes, and it's um, it's it's something we need to stop immediately. And you know, again, like they, we were told, these are totally safe, and for humans they are. There's nothing wrong with scrubbing them against your I always, face.
1: I always thought they dissolved. I guess that was a misconception. Like that, you know, I was rubbing these little squishy beads on my face, um, and that they like dissolved in the water, but they don't. They really just go down the
5: drain. Yeah, they actually go past the sewage treatment plants in the lake and then in the lake they're actually absorbing like sponges the um, persistent pollutants that are down there mm-hmm. and they're kind of becoming these little toxic sponges that fish eat and then scientists are saying well we're just going to end up eating them ourselves and taking in more of those pollutants because the fish are taking them in and um, it's kind of a whole vicious circle although you know I, I said that those beads aren't harmful to our health but dental hygienists have actually started coming out and saying that they're picking out these little plastic microbeads from people's gums because they're in toothpaste, like Crest. You know, um, I didn't
1: know they were in toothpaste. That, to me, is really weird.
5: Yeah, so Crest actually got got totally smacked down by dental hygienists for this not that long ago, and um, they have announced that they're going to uh, get rid of microbeads. I think it's by the end of next year, but, yeah, if you've got a tube... I would definitely take a look and see. They might not advertise that they have microbeads, but if mm-hmm. they have little blue beads in there, yeah. um, then I would again, Okay. using that. Your yeah. hygienist would agree. Okay, so take a look.
1: And then if you do have any of these, you know, cleansing products at home, these face scrubs, exfoliators, toothpaste, and and you decide, like, I'm deciding I don't want to use it anymore. Don't just throw it in the garbage or don't just, dis- I, I think people don't really realize and they go, okay, I'm just going to flush it down the toilet. or I'm going <laughs> right. to squeeze it into the sink I'm not using it, but that's exactly where it should not go. That's so take worse. it to to some sort of hazardous waste site where they will dispose of them properly. Um, Adria, all great information. Thank you so much for spending time with me tonight. Thanks Um, for having me on. And uh, ecoholic.ca is where everyone can go to find out more.
5: Yeah, that's right. And also at the nowtoronto.com website. Um, You know, always new articles coming out by me every few days. So keep an eye on that.
1: Definitely. Thanks so much, Adria. Have a great night. Take care. Bye. So that's Adria Vassel, uh, Ecoholic columnist with uh, Now Toronto. I just feel like I have to throw out my mattress and get rid of all my face cleanser. Uh, Coming up in a few minutes, Ed Keaton is going to pop in. We'll let you know what's coming up on his show. He's on, of course, at 10 p.m. But uh, after the break, I'm going to talk to Chef Ricardo. He's going to join me to talk about the latest issue of his cooking magazine, where he brings the flavors of India into the kitchen. And he's going to tell me that it's very easy to do. So we'll find out more. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Taking a quick break here. Back right after this.
0: More with Pei Chen on In Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pei Chen in for Vinny White uh, for the next couple of weeks as he is away somewhere really warm, nice, sunny, and hot. Um, if you love the exotic flavors and spices of Indian food like I do, but uh, feel it's something You have to go out to enjoy because it might seem a little intimidating to make it at home. Chef Ricardo's spring issue is out, and uh, his cooking magazine explores ways to cook with Indian flavors at home. And he insists that it's not too difficult to do. Hi, Ricardo. How are you? Uh, I'm very excited to hear more (laughs) about uh, the Indian dishes that you made because I really do love Indian food. And I have to tell you, I, I don't
6: make it at home. Well, I mean, lots of people are like, like you, like, like me, like a lot of people. We enjoy it, but sometimes it looks more complicated than it is actually, in fact. It's, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Right. With, with a couple of, you know, good tips as good spices, you can turn a, a very standard piece of chicken into something fabulous.
1: And I think that's the thing with um with Indian food and uh, and you have a, a a great section in the magazine where you highlight some really beautiful family recipes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about um taking away that intimidation factor because I yep. think, well, because I know that, you know, some of my favorite Indian dishes seem to have a lot of different spices in there. And these aren't typically in you know, uh, my spice yep. cupboard. So when it comes down to, you know, what you did in your test kitchen, for example, and you're creating these dishes, what are mm-hmm. some of the spices that you think people should, you know, perhaps experiment with, you know, and, and, and bring into their home?
6: And that's the first thing. I mean, uh, whether it's in Indian food or any other culture, spices are very important. And, and when you, you want to buy them, you have a couple of tricks to, to do first try to buy them whole, whole, you know, mm-hmm. like pepper that is not already crushed and uh, curry powder that is not just like a, a standard mix. You better off buy four, five, six, seven of them. Mm-hmm. Keep them in the metal or in a glass container, uh, airtight, not in the sun, not in the very, like, if it's too hot, you know, put them in the in the pantry in the, uh, the a a cool place you will be able to keep them not for months sometimes even for years and you will grind them as you need them so you can buy just a simple smart part a small uh, mortar and pestle Mm -hmm. and just you know crush them as you want to use them it will smell very good you will have all the freshness you will know exactly what's in these spices because when you buy a blend I mean, you don't know what exactly would with, with have to do. It's a bit blend. of a mish.
1: Yeah, when you buy a blend, yeah. it's a bit of a mishmash of
6: random totally. things. <laughs> so so you want to make sure that these spices are perfect. And and then then it's very simple. I mean, I mean, you can turn a piece of, of uh, salmon into a uh, tandoori salmon, uh, just meatballs into a nice meatball sauce with potatoes, may create a beautiful sauté saute with cabbage and, and peanuts and, and, you know, like a buttered chicken, homemade buttered chicken. It is so good. And it, it doesn't have to be complicated. If you look at what's in a buttered chicken, beside chicken, quite often you will have a bit of lime juice, maybe fresh ginger. Then it's clove, uh, a bit of garlic, onion. All of this is not that complicated. And then it's cinnamon. We know cinnamon, bay leaves. Mm-hmm. Quite often have that butter, and then paprika. Then you will go to uh, garam masala or fenugreek or, or nutmeg. Is easy again. Mm-hmm. I'd say that fenugreek, cardamom. When you buy, this is a like like green, green pods with seeds inside. You just remove the green, uh, the greens like. The shell almost, oh, right? The yeah. shell, exactly. The shell, the word was looking for. And when you crush these seeds, all of a sudden it's it's India that just like bursts in your kitchen. And it's so beautiful. And by mixing these spices, sometimes with yogurt, to create a nice marinade. And, and I love this salmon. I'm doing a tenderly salmon. Really? It's just a <laughs> blend of, of spices with mm-hmm. yogurt and onions and cloves. And you, you just... Just put it over your salmon, grill it under the broiler for about 15 minutes, and you will end up with something very tasteful. We can do it on the barbecue in the summertime. And I'll, it's as if you were in an Indian restaurant.
1: Well, and that's the thing, too, is I I, I think it's sometimes you can look at recipes and go, oh, boy, there's a lot of, a lot of things I don't have at home. Um, mm-hmm. But if you were to suggest to people who are – uh, you know, open to maybe who would like to cook more Indian flavors at home. What are a couple of the um, spices that you think can be used in just in more than one way? So, for example, you talked about cinnamon. Well, cinnamon, I think most people have at home. They use it usually for baking, but it can well, also be used in like the
6: savory dishes. Totally, and and, and and cinnamon. Quite often, we buy it already ground. Mm-hmm. But if you buy a stick cinnamon, but you know, in a stick. And you crush it with your uh, mortar and pestle, you will discover a whole different spice that will not only like change your rice pudding, but as you said, could also change a savory recipe. But sometimes you want to put some spices and spices that we know nutmeg, we, we, I mean, we know nutmeg, mm-hmm. but you have to put them in the quantity that, in an amount that it won't taste cinnamon, or nutmeg. It's the blend, the perfect blend. Everything has to be toned so it's it's perfectly, you know, balanced together. As I said, cardamom is a spice to taste. I love also. cardamom. I mean, it's not, I mean, I never tasted cardamom when I was a child, and I discovered that uh, in Vancouver in Indian restaurants, and it was fantastic. And then my girlfriend at that time, now my wife, does we have to find that spice. We were barely twenty, and you know, it was just discovering the world in our own backyard. Actually, you know, so I would say buy a cup of even cumin. Cumin. Yeah. Some some know, some don't. It's, it's not too, too crazy.
1: It's not too crazy of a spice. It's one that no, some people might already have and not use very often. Mix
6: a bit of turmeric with a mm-hmm. bit of cumin, a bit of paprika, a garlic, crushed fresh ginger a bit of of uh, nutmeg, and all of a sudden you have already something. If there You have something that you wouldn't have mixed together because we're pretty standard normally when we cook North American food. Yes. And this country has brought, like, the mix of spice to another level, to something magnificent where every woman has her own mix to create the garam masala, which is a mix of spice of different spices we've talked about even pepper there's so many kinds of pepper us quite often we know like it's a pink green white and black mm-hmm. that's about it but there's so many different flavors if the pepper comes from that region of that the one so you go to a market you go to st. Lawrence market you go to Kensington, and you you you, you just try to go to see always the same guy if you find someone that knows spices you want to, to get to know this guy or this yes. woman and then say, hey, I'm looking for very fresh pepper. What do you have to propose? Mm-hmm. And they will propose to you like pepper from all around the world and from very mild to very powerful and, and sometimes almost fruity. And you want to try this, just a standard, different pepper, crushed, well, I mean, freshly crushed on your steak. Just try it that way. Yeah. You say, oh, my God. It's so different. Something that it, simple. Tr- and yes, I like that's simple. Yeah,
1: and your suggestion is great because you know we have a lot of wonderful small shops and markets uh, throughout mm-hmm. the GTA where you can often buy the spices in bulk, which means you can buy them in a small quantity and you don't necessarily have to buy them in a giant jar and then realize, well, so oh, right. what am I going to do with all of this? So exactly. I, that's what I like about that, and it makes it easier to experiment with different spices. When you know sometimes it's it's going to cost you like twenty five cents for a little bit of this, and it'll go a long way. Um, you very- have
6: to buy them in small quantity. That mm-hmm. way you. They won't go. I mean, they will keep all their freshness, and you will test yourself and, yeah. and your family. Sometimes you can try something, uh, you know, on your girlfriend and your children, and and you just you just wait and you don't don't sell everything <laughs> before they taste it. Don't say, oh, you yeah, I've tried this new thing or this. No, no. <laughs> just give it to them and right. wait. Don't don't Maybe say. Maybe you can have a great
1: surprise. Yes. It's, so don't say like this is an experiment. I want to know exactly. what you think. Just give it to them Um very quickly, Ricardo. Let's just talk. uh briefly about your trip to South Africa oh, and some yeah. of the inspiration there we just have a you know a few minutes but the reason I was I really loved reading about it is because I was just recently in Namibia so I wasn't too far away um but I really uh fell in love with the the culture there in Africa
6: I mean Africa is really it it gets into you and and it you just can get out I mean it's just, so beautiful. I've, I'm lucky because we produce wine over there. And it's like the sixth time I go. And uh, I took the kids with us this time. And they have this unique way of barbecuing. I'll talk about that because they have something. A, a barbecue here is a barbecue. Over mm-hmm. there, and they roll the R, they call it a braai. Mm-hmm. They will braai things. So when you go in small town ships, quite often you will they, they will have these half barrels with a very, I mean, it's very simple. They will grill very thin slices of meat because the quality of the meat is not the same. Mm -hmm. And they will use a lot of dry rubs. So they will rub, I mean, crushed garlic and and onions and and spices over the meat and grill it and serve it to you on a piece of paper. And it's so good. And every family over there, if you try to sell your house and you don't have a braai place, It's going to be tougher to sell your house. Really? It's as if uh, you had a house, but there was no way to have a microwave. (laughs) I mean, they they can't figure that. And they don't bribe over a gas stop as we do or just charcoal. No, Mm. no, it it has to be made with wood. And they will really, like, prepare this for hours. It's really something unique. They will do it on weekends. And uh, it's very serious. Is this like a street
1: food? It, will they be, have that yeah.
6: as street food, and also when you're invited to the house, mm-hmm. they will prepare you a bry. When I I took my family at the winery, they said, "Ricardo, tonight we are going to bry." So they have the, all these sausages, and they have all these types of meat. They have biltong, which with like is is meat, dry meat, the game meat we usually, here, right here. Yeah, exactly. And and it's a very family place. You know, they they love children. They love to. To spend time with friends, invite you over. It's a unique place. I really, really enjoy to to be there. If anyone has a chance in his life to go, and it's a fantastic place because it could have been a bloodbath. And thanks to to, to Nelson Mandela and, and, and men of good faith, they they are working so hard to make it. Uh, a more equal and 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 fair country to everyone, and you can feel this. Yeah, you can feel this. You know, this urge they have for for peace and trying to. You know, just to get along and have—it's a beautiful country.
1: Well, you know, it was nice to read about um, your your trip there, and also even just to read about the the game meets and things like that, because it's something that uh, we're not so mm-hmm. used to here. And and just because I had been over there fairly recently, you know, i you know I learned about kudu and
6: springbok oh, yeah. and
1: and animals that I just didn't know existed. So it's it's kind of nice to just even
6: it's read nice, about. Different places. I wanted to, you know, put it in the magazine and and give. And, and this issue is really a worldwide tour about all sorts of recipes from around the world because we have to remember that it's so easy to travel. Every week we can pick a new country and just, you know, discover Argentina uh, with their, you know, roasted chicken. You can mm-hmm. then fly to Tuscany and and have like and it's funny because chicken is probably the meat that. Humans are eating the (laughs) the most around the world. It's pretty universal. Every country has a different (laughs) way to prepare, you know, chicken. From chicken wings in the States to, to Russian burgers to, as I said, Tuscany chicken. So, like, I love food for that because it makes me travel.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the great thing about living in a place like Toronto or the GTA is that at least oh, if yeah. you can't get the t- ticket to go there, you can often find a place to have food from a different country. Uh, Ricardo, thank you so much for your time. Thank uh, you. Beautiful issue. And uh, you looking so forward much. to having everyone take a look. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That's uh, Chef Ricardo, and uh, his magazine is also called Ricardo. It is a cooking magazine, and the latest issue uh, right now that is talking about Indian cuisine, and his trip to South Africa is uh, out on newsstands. We're taking a quick break here on uh, the Pei Chen show. PeiChen.com is the website. After the break, Ed Keenan pops in. We'll find out what's coming up on his show. Also, I would like to know if you have any great... April Fool's Day stories to share with me. Text me at 71010. I want to know about the best prank you ever pulled off or the one that you were the victim of and if maybe you're planning something for this Wednesday, which is April 1st. We'll be back right after this quick break.
0: More with Pay on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010.
1: Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, I'll also be covering for Vinny next weekend uh, because he's away. And uh, PayChen.com is my website. Twitter and Instagram is easy. It's the same thing. It's at PayChen. Ed Keenan joins me now. He, of course, is coming up at ten. Hey there. Hey, hey! Oh my gosh! You know what? I have not talked about What's on the that? show at all. Um. So I go into the gym today uh, just before coming in here. So I was.
4: Oh, I was going to ask you about this because I think I saw something Did you on Twitter. See it? Yeah.
1: So I go into the gym, and I live in a condo that is next to a hotel. So I guess it makes sense that they they save money this way. Um, the there's a small gym which is shared by condo residents shared and with hotel. The hotel guests. Yeah, it's yeah. very tiny though. It's probably the gym itself is probably only 600 square feet, maybe. So mm-hmm. it's it's you know when you have three people in there, it's pretty busy. So I go in and uh, in the afternoon at like three o'clock, and I kind of take a second glance at someone on the treadmill, and then I keep going, and then I, I sign in. And then I have to backtrack again past this guy to grab yeah. a mat, and I look at him again, and he sees me looking at him again, and, and then I realize it's Will Smith. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the Fresh Prince of is- <laughs> Bel-Air is right there.
1: Yes! And my first Working thought Working out was, your gym. Because I hadn't gone out. Today And usually if I'd gone out, this is just a stupid thing. I would have brushed my hair and I would have had a little bit of makeup on. Right. But because I was home all day working, I basically changed out of sweats and put gym clothes on and went to the gym. And my first thought was, oh, my God will Smith and in- why was anyone in there like i hate when someone is in there and then i'm like ah shoulda yeah maybe I, put something on I my i don't face. work
4: out at the gym at my office uh recently but mm-hmm. i used to go there uh fairly regularly and i always tried to time it like i would work out at night like at the end of my shift or some days some days of the week i work fairly late so i yeah. in at 7 or 8 p.m. basically because i don't want anybody else to be in there when i'm in there i don't i it's love it when it's empty and when it's a, a hollywood celebrity <laughs> and and you're there, uh, no, not you. If it was me, not only would my hair, my somehow be a mess, even though I'm mostly bald, and and I would be wearing like junky old clothes. Yeah. Uh, but then I'd be like on the stationary bike, and after about 15 seconds, I,
1: <clears throat> wow.
4: and it, it would just you know, you don't want people seeing that.
1: Okay, so this is the thing. I was doing. I have uh, on my phone. It's the. Uh, Nike fitness app so it has Mm. these little programs like half hour programs that are very high intensity and it's kind of like having a little personal trainer in your (laughs) ear and it's super high cardio the one that I had started to do and so it was a lot of burpees which is like a lot of jumping and I'm flushed and I'm blotchy and sweat was actually dripping into my eye so I was like (laughs) I was my hands were busy because I was skipping but sweat was dripping in my eye so I was blinking away and I'm like does he think I'm Winking at him, like, am I w- being <laughs> weird? And then also, because I'm like, I know you're Will Smith, and you know that I know you're Will Smith, but I'm gonna be really cool and chill because I get that you're working out with your trainer and you don't want to be disturbed. You so don't, I'm gonna you don't try need some and-
4: fan here. Yeah. So I- you d- instead you just subtly started rapping. Uh- <laughs>
1: The, do we have the Fresh Prince? Uh, I don't know. Oh, we all yeah, get stepped away. No, I
4: was just trying to think. Like, uh, you know, my parents went away for a week's vacation, and they left the keys to the brand new porch. I don't, I don't even remember what the
1: the, the name ah, of the song is. But yes,
4: anyhow, parents
1: just don't understand. That's right. Is that it? That's right. Yes. Yeah.
4: No, no, it's just on my iPod. Sorry. <laughs> was I singing that out loud?
1: Could you imagine? Was I? Was I? Yeah. yeah. So and so. Anyway, he and his trainer, and then someone else joined them, and it's a because it's such a small gym. We were basically right next to each other but I still wanted to do my full workout because I only had a half an hour and I at one point I thought I want to eavesdrop on the conversation so I turned my music off but I left my earbuds in Right. and then I realized so I was like they were just you know just talking about well, the one guy workout was talking about stuff. how he ate pizza the other oh. night and uh, but what was shocked me was how heavily I was breathing <laughs> I was <laughs> Panting, I was, like, <laughs> I
4: was
1: like, "Now was oh that my because God. you
4: were so excited about Will Smith, or was <laughs> it, it was the exercise?" I couldn't
1: do five minutes of cardio.
4: <laughs> yeah, no.
1: That's... So anyway, that was my exciting little brush with um someone kind of famous. That's great. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to quickly talk about April Fool's Day because it's coming up on Wednesday, and I find that April Fool's Day always comes and goes. And I remember about I remember how exciting it was as a kid. You would look forward yeah, to when it when
4: I was a kid. I mean, I especially remember like it was like grade five, si- grade six. We'd really start to get into it and we'd, you know, do those old sort of classic things that you read about mm-hmm. or hear about. So we would actually do them where we would, uh, you know, put the chalk in the erasers or whatever. Or we'd rig something up in the teacher's desk so that when they open the drawer, yeah. something would spring out. Uh, when I was in grade eight, actually, and it it, it seems... Worse in retrospect, it seemed funnier at the time. Uh, a girl in my class brought in the centerfold from a Playboy from her dad's Whoa! closet. Yeah. And we, we put it on the blackboard at lunchtime. <laughs> and then we pulled down the map over it. So when the teacher came in, he, uh, he went to the blackboard. And of course, he just pulled the map. Yeah. And so it would spring up. And then he started to turn around to his chair and like caught it out of the corner of his eye. And then he just started laughing and laughing like he was almost crying. He was laughing so hard, and he folded it up and put it in his briefcase. And
1: And took it home. Yeah, I,
4: I imagine he did. I imagine he did. I, now, I asked my son, who is mm-hmm. much younger. He's eight years old. And he said, oh, yeah, last year his friend Henry played this great April Fool's joke uh, by saying that he couldn't wait to play a game that he doesn't actually like. Right. Um, so that's less of a joke Less of a mind. joke, yeah. Although he— <laughs> My my son did say that his sort of April Fool's dream. Is that he can go out and buy a whoopee cushion so that he can put it on the teacher's chair? Because he thinks that would be the killer April Fool's joke for grade three.
1: And you know what I love uh, about that is that it is such a classic April Fool's prank. And I love that it's not gone <laughs> out of style because we had a whoopee cushion and that was the yeah. big joke. And so I love that an eight year old boy in 2015 still thinks still whoopee the whoopee cushion,
4: cushion is going to be the ultimate one. And it's right? always the whoopee yeah. cushion
1: with the teacher because it's when yeah. the teacher fake farts that the whole class just just like breaks out in hysterics,
4: right? <laughs> now, if you're a teacher, especially like a grade 2 oh, or yeah. grade 3 teacher and you come into your class and you look at your chair and you see a whoopee cushion there, I think you got to sit on it.
1: I think you do. Like too. you can't
4: you can't spoil the joke, right? No, you have to you have to do it, right? Because
1: everyone, they're just sitting in anticipation. They can't wait, right? <laughs> like, you have to, you can't ruin the joke. You have to sit on the whoopee cushion. You have to fake fart. Um, okay, Ed, what's coming up on your show?
4: What, what do we got? Um, well, okay, one kind of crazy thing that's going to be coming up after 9.30 is uh, there's a guy named Jesse Hawken who has led a small band of people who have sort of worshipped uh, the short-lived movie Mordecai. Okay. Uh, without ever having seen it. They have built it up into to uh, something, a big deal online. Mm-hmm. They formed a little club around it, uh, and they had never seen it. It no went from theater so quickly that they had never seen it, uh, and today that changed. So he'll be on the show <laughs> to talk about uh, his experience at the Royal Cinema and this weird fascination with this uh, Johnny Depp bomb uh, that, that he and his friends have.
1: So no one in the club saw the movie, and then now they've seen the movie. Now
4: they have seen it. They saw it together.
1: Oh, wow. That's an experience. <laughs> we'll see if
4: that affects their worship for it or not. I
1: feel like it probably would. Um, that's coming up on The Ed Keenan Show at 10 p.m. Thanks for tuning in tonight, everyone. Uh, paychen.com, if you missed part of the show and you want to catch up on the podcast, had some great guests this evening. And I'll be back next Sunday. Also, if Will Smith is listening, you are very strong and very fit. Have a great night.